I was invited to pray, but I think I'll also take just the liberty of making a few introductory remarks. Among the, uh, among the treasures of Nazarene Bible College is our chaplain, Dr. Allen, Professor Allen Like. Doctor, soon enough, I hope. Yeah, that's part of the dean's job is to keep a thumb in the back of a guy who's, uh, who's studying harder while he teaches you than any of you are studying while he teaches you or something like that. One of those things. Uh, but the treasure is this, not that he is a perfect man, but that he is someone in whom God has worked. And the best thing to say about anyone is here is someone who is willing for God to be his God and for him to uh, be the channel, the conduit for God's work. So tonight, while it is a, a, a model of a good sermon, I can guarantee that already, more important, it is a time of ministry for you. And I will be listening as you listen, as God brings his word to us through Chaplain Allen Lake. Come, sir. I ask you to pray. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Glad you're here. I'm glad you're here too. Our theme for this year has been My Heart and Altar, God's Love the Flame, and we're going to talk one more time about fire. I like fire. Any closet pyromaniacs in the room? I, I, I love to light these matches, not the little ones, not the paper ones, but these long wooden ones. I love to play with this kind of thing, and, and you hold it as long as you can until it gets to the end, and you know it'll burn you that way, so you hold it this way so it doesn't burn. And I love the smell of the burnt sulfur on there. So everyone who needs a match, you're welcome to one afterward. <laughs> have, have always liked playing with fire, always. And there was always somebody who told me, don't play with it. Just don't play with the fire. As an adult, usually that's my wife. Because we have a fireplace at home or sometimes when we're out, out camping. And can you turn me down a little bit? I hear myself too much. Thanks. Um, or when we're out camping, the fire's not ever quite right. You know what I mean? Any guys have that problem? The, the ladies know what, we're know what I'm talking about because they just wait for us to leave it alone. Don't play with the fire and I'll fix it. And five minutes later, it's got to be fixed again. And five more minutes, you've got to fix it. It needs another log if you moved it this way. Don't play with the fire. My mom used to tell me don't play with the fire too, not for that reason, but because she was afraid I'd burn myself. You get too close to that campfire or when the, when the charcoal grill, charcoals in the grill were just kind of gray, you know, kind of smoldering, uh, and you want to take the lighter fluid and go, and it burns the back of your hand. You know, you know, don't play with the fire because you're going to get hurt. There was a time when God told some folks not to play with fire, either. And I need to remind you of the account. It's in Exodus chapter 19. He's about ready to visit the children of Israel, and they need to get ready. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. 
Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it, for whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. Verse 16. So on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. We know the story, don't we? Seen the movie, probably, too. You know, Moses looks remarkably like Charlton Heston. And actually, I read on, I wondered who the voice of God was in the movie, Charlton Heston, too. We've seen the movie, we know the story, we know that in this setting we were not supposed, those folks were not supposed to play with the fire that symbolized God's presence. But the writer to the Hebrews says that as amazing and as terrifying as that event was, there's an even greater reason not to play with the fire. The text for the message is in Hebrews chapter 12, so turn with me. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to pick it up at verse 18. The writer is writing to folks like us, followers of Christ, and he says to them, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But he says as followers of Christ, that's not the mountain that we've come to. But you have come, we have come, to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. As followers of Christ, see, we have moved beyond just being next to the mountain where God is present. The writer says that we have moved into the very presence of God. Did you see the phrase, you have come to God? But we know that already, right? All in favor, say aye. 
It's not a trick question. We know all that already. In fact, we, we know that, based on another verse in the same epistle, that we can approach God with confidence, with boldness. Hebrews 4.16, in case you need the reference. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Those of us who are on the other side of the cross and on the other side of the resurrection have been granted the privilege of approaching God. But the writer to the Hebrews says that we should not do so lightly. Sometimes I think that we are so sure that God wants to see us that we don't really think too much about what kind of shape we're in when we go to see him. We've kind of lowered him to a buddy, buddy kind of relationship, like, like he's safe. Reminds me of Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's book about the, the kids and the animals and the lion, Aslan. You know the, you know the story? Oh, now wait. We have to stop. How many people have read the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, I wanted to make sure. We will have to make that required reading for some course I teach, someplace along the line. In one of the accounts, the author has Susan and Lucy getting ready to meet Aslan, who's the Christ figure. They're talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and, and those two are trying to get the girls ready to meet Aslan. And, and Susan says, ooh, I thought he was a man. Is Aslan quite safe? I mean, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Well, that you will, dearie, says Mrs. Beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then, isn't he safe? Lucy asks. Safe? said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver says to you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he's not safe. He's good. But he's the king. But he's not safe. The writer to the Hebrews would say that we have approached God himself and that he's not safe. There's another way that I think we handle this, this availability to God, this familiarity um, that we have with him, and, it, and it's in the, in the lines of a song that we sing. It's an old Wesley hymn. It says, Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. You know the next line? Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God, come. Certainly appropriate to invite everyone that we can think of to come to God's presence. Because now is the accepted time, right? Now is the day of salvation. There's no better time to the present than come. But maybe, maybe we ought to be a little more cautious when we say, come just as you are worship. Come just as you are before your God. See, the writer to the Hebrew warns, counsels, that we have come to, to God himself. And then he says in verse 28, 
Therefore, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I think the writer to the Hebrew probably has a couple of meetings for for this. God is a consuming fire is not just a threat. It's also a promise. God is a consuming fire is not just an image of judgment. It is also an evidence of grace. God is a consuming fire is not just meant for intimidation, it is also meant to be an invitation. An invitation to be all that God wants us to be in Christ. Our God is a consuming fire. Theologian Rudolf Otto said that the holiness of God is an awful, A-W-E-F-U-L-L, awful mystery. It's something that we're both drawn to and and repelled by. The idea that God is a consuming fire is an awful mystery. He is someone that we are both drawn to and repelled by, but that depends on whether or not we belong to Him. Whether or not we're His or our own. See, for those who don't belong to God, those who don't belong to God, his fire seems deadly. And it seems threatening. But for those who belong to God, his fire is warm and cleansing. For those who don't belong to God, his fire seems frightening and menacing. But for those who belong to God, his fire is reassuring and purifying. One writer put it this way, that God purifies by burning all that is base within those who serve him. God purifies by burning all that is unfit to abide in his presence. And another writer said, believers know that in the presence of that bright light of that fire, all of their impurities are exposed. But they also know and rejoice that mercifully, in its refining flames, those impurities can be consumed. That's the good news. For those of us who don't belong to God, this fire is deadly and threatening. But those of us who do belong to Him, it is cleansing and warming and purifying to be in His presence. We're not repelled by him at all. Awestruck, certainly, but not repelled. It's easy for me in, in some of my attempts at preaching to say, okay, now we're through. But I've, I've learned that we need to f- try to figure out what this looks like in everyday life. And, and actually, there's an answer in verse 28. So go back there for a second. The NIV says... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Let me unpack this for you. The first phrase literally says, let us keep on having grace. Let us keep on being thankful. Let us keep on being grateful. 
because our God is a consuming fire. And instead of the word worship, probably we can translate that better, service. And so serve God well-pleasingly with reverence and awe. See, it's easy for us to get that idea of worship and compartmentalize it. Right? It's just when God and I are meeting someplace, or it's just when we're meeting in a setting like this one or in the churches that we attend on Saturday or Sunday or whenever it is that we meet in his name, but we think that that's worship and the rest of it is up to us. And the writer's really saying that everything we do, everything we do ought to be done with reverence and awe. Our relationships at home, the way we approach our work here at school, our ministry here at school, those of you who have been, had me an intro, you know what I mean. Our relationships at church, the way that we function on the work, in our workplace. All of that, all of that, the writer would say to us, must be done with reverence and all because we're serving God and giving thanks continually. That's how it looks. That's how we work that out. First time I read this passage uh, reminded me of, um, let me back up. Read this passage and, and it came, and came to mind the, uh, the picture of a moth to a flame. Those of you who have lived through the spring, you know what moths are like here, right? Those of you who haven't lived through it, wait. Those moths find their way to light and into our houses and cars and offices. Somehow we don't know how. And they get so close to the light and they just flick around it. And, and maybe in your home or maybe outside someplace there's a fire going. And sometimes what happens with those moths is they get so attracted to the light, they get so close that they get ignited and burned up, destroyed. And I think what the writer to the Hebrews is trying to help us see here is the possibility of being drawn to God's fire the same way those moths are drawn to the light. Of being so drawn by his consuming fire that we can't help but get close to him. But the difference is, is that the closer we get to him, he doesn't ignite us and burn us up and destroy us like those moths. He consumes us. But he consumes us like he consumed the bush when he spoke to Moses. He consumes us like he enveloped that mount, Sinai, and spoke to those people. He consumes us and refines us and makes us all that he has invited us to be if we'll let him. If we'll let him. Someone once compared their life in Christ to that moth being drawn to the flame. And, but rather than staying away and being burned up in the flame, she wanted to get as close to him as she could be. And she put it this way. It's my desire to become fire. I think it's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is inviting us to. 
to be so consumed by the consuming fire of God that we are all that he wants us to be and all that we want to be in him. I want to end with a prayer, and it's on the back of the bookmark that you received. Actually, the prayer is, are the prayer is the lyrics to a song. And so while the CD plays and while the singer sings, her name's Kim Hill, uh, I want you to pray and allow the words to be your prayer to become fire. Let's keep on being thankful. And so serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen? Amen. Go in his peace.